Pubcast. The book, as you said, is it certainly draws from Jewish tradition, but it is really a universal spirituality. It's uh, it's a spirituality that I, I like to think is available to anybody, regardless of whether they believe in God, don't believe in God, they have a tradition, they don't have a tradition. That anybody can access the uh, the type of spirituality that is presented in in the book, and that. Uh, really was part of my own growth, and uh, and so I wanted to share it with others. Welcome to the Liberated Healer Podcast, where we touch on a variety of topics in the world of spirituality, energetic healing, and everything in between and beyond. Take an adventure on a shooting star with your host, Gina, offering their wisdom, guidance, and everlasting love and support. Hi, everybody. Gina Cavalier, the Liberated Healer. Um, today we have Rabbi Dan Aaron Krantz, and um, he was ranked the 50 most influential American rabbis by Newsweek magazine. He has a book, Where Are You? A Beginner's Guide to Advanced Spirituality, which we're going to get into what that means. Um, and it's a great little book. It's won an Indie Book Award. Um, lots of amazing things and uh hi rabbi uh welcome to the show nice to be here yeah wonderful um so i i have a few questions for you could what would you just get into a little bit about your background um i i I love the jewish culture but i think this is very also kind of opening that up to kind of other things so could you kind of explain that a little bit sure So uh, I am a rabbi. I worked in a congregation in New Jersey for uh, 14 years. I was the rabbi of that congregation. And then I became the president of the rabbinical college, which I graduated from. So that's a post-undergraduate accredited graduate institution. It's uh, five or six years of study to become a rabbi. And I led that uh, institution for about a dozen years. Um, I left that and went into doing some consulting. What I would say is related to the book, towards the end of my time as the president of the rabbinical college, uh, some things started to shift for me. And that continued to, uh, those shifts continued to take place after I left the, um, the position as president. And, um, and eventually, I really didn't think I was going to end up writing this book, but eventually, I, I just found myself writing this book. Uh, and, uh, and so here we are. The book, as you said, is, it certainly draws from Jewish tradition, but it is really a universal spirituality. It's, uh, it's a spirituality that I, I like to think is available to anybody, regardless of whether they believe in God, don't believe in God, they have a tradition, they don't have a tradition, that anybody can access the uh, the type of spirituality that is presented in in the book, and that uh, really was part of my own growth, and uh, and so I wanted to share it with others. You know, that's just about what we are here at the Liberated Healer, and it's you know inclusive. It's basically there's many roads to light or God or whichever. Um, you know, as long as they're good and wholesome and service. And, um, so I really like that. Um, so we, 
there was something that I found very interesting too, though, about you is that you learned how to separate your little mind from your higher mind and you've mastered that. And I thought that was very interested and interesting. I was wondering if we can get into a little bit about what that means. Sure. So, no, I don't know that those are the, um, the exact words that I use, but it's really interesting because those exact words are used in uh, the Jewish spiritual tradition elsewhere. So uh, <laughs> there's just uh, kind of fun that you, you chose that language. Um, so I, I uh, really for me, there was a, um, a recognition of how I was caught, I would say within mind uh, that my experience of life was very much about the experience that I was having between my years. You know, it was, uh, if I thought it was a good day, it was a good day. If I thought it was a bad day, it was a bad day. The, uh, what I thought was what was. And there came to be a recognition that, oh, those thoughts are something that happens within me, but they're not me. Um, in the same way that digestion is something that happens within me, but it's not me. The thoughts just, they occur whether I want them to or not. I don't control them. I don't know what they're going to be. They just show up, but they are not the totality of what I am, or I would dare say really what anybody else is. Um, and so it was really being able to access oh, well, what else is there that is it? This isn't me. What is me? And then being able to kind of sink into that, get curious about that, and try and come to a, a deeper relationship, a more intimate relationship with, I would call it, there are different words that you could use, but the, the awareness that is me is, are the words that come to mind right now. So it's really kind of this un involuntary type of connection that we all have that we're able to separate a little bit because like you were saying digestion it just happens and so we have this higher mind and this lower um and this little mind um that guides us um that's that's really fascinating um and also i really like that you're really into yoga Mm -hmm. I want to see um, how how this really affected you positively for your spirituality. Oh my gosh, uh, it, it has been uh, such an important aspect for me. I think you know, for many people, they are just naturally uh, quiet sitters, and they can sit quietly for for hours on end. And for me, I need movement to help me get quiet. Uh, and I can get quiet. I, I certainly can do that and can do it even without movement. But if I have the movement, that really helps me prepare me for that quiet. And, and there's a way that I can be quiet within movement. Um, movement feels to me so central to what it means to, to be alive. You know, every, Everything that is alive is changing in some way, and change implies movement. There's there's movement in in blades of grass and trees, and uh, and and in humans, and that is just so essential 
to connecting to uh, to what I am. And when I uh, was really coming into yoga, I came into it just to gain strength and flexibility and balance and all those you know good things that that we should get, especially as we age. I'm I'm uh, I, I'm older than I used to be, and so as I aged, I found that uh, that it was. Um, uh, important for me to keep moving in order to retain uh, some sense of, uh, again, strength and flexibility. And um, But what happened in the practice of yoga was that it penetrated much more deeply. And I discovered that it wasn't just a physical practice, but that the physical was connected to the emotional, to the spiritual, to the intellectual, and all of these were affected by my yoga practice. That's not what I had anticipated. It's not what I went in for, but it's what I found on the way in. And that's when yoga became really interesting to me. And yoga really became much more about energy work. Uh, I, I try and speak in in terms that that aren't too uh, out there and woo woo, so that I you know you, I don't lose people. Yeah. Um, but I don't know any other way to put it than energy work. And so it's the energy that is, uh, that is the mind energy, emotional energy, uh, the body's energy, being able to move that energy in a, in a healthy and wise way. So that can be, I think we've all had this experience where we get caught up in a cycle of negative thinking and and we don't know how to break out of it. And the more we try and break out of it, the more we get stuck in it. And yoga for me is partly learning how to break that kind of energy, that uh, that kind of mental energy when uh, when it arises, and and being able to uh, to sit with it and allow it to pass through. And so that's just a, a mental example. And then there's the physical and emotional as well. I love yoga. I started doing um, hot yoga and. 89 and through illnesses and all kinds of you know I I have I don't have a, a perfect practice like doing it every morning like I'm supposed to but whenever I have a need in something major in my life I go right to the hot yoga I do find that I can kind of focus a little bit more so it's so it's just it is very also spiritual too you mean you go for the physical aspects which is great but I and I that's why I wanted to ask you about that because I you're kind of this melting pot of, you know, yoga and, you know, Jewish and, but you're open to everybody. And I, that's so inclusive and, and wonderful. And, you know, that's, a, it's just, I feel like that's where we need to go right now. And so we can give people information to help them. Um, and so you have, um, right here, you had, um, you were saying that readers are asked to place authority in their own experience. And I wanted to see what you kind of meant by that. Yeah. So, you know, I was, uh, again, a congregational rabbi for many years. I, I've, I've been uh, in, in the, the religious world, the spiritual world for, you know, over a quarter of a century. And I've, I've seen a lot and I've seen um, people that, uh, want to find that spiritual teacher and they um, can end up giving themselves over to that spiritual teacher in a way that ends up not being healthy. And this is a very difficult 
line to um, to articulate because it can be so helpful to recognize, you know, this person over there has something that I don't have and they can teach me. And if I insist on staying stuck with my own ideas and my own thoughts and doing just what I, you know, have always done, well, then I'm just going to stay stagnant. And if I open myself up and allow this person to say, no, actually, Dan, you're, you're wrong. You need to try it this way. If I open up to that, I can grow and I can grow. But if I have, and I can only describe it, an, an internal feeling that um, somebody is steering me in a, out of my integrity or in a way that doesn't quite feel right, to listen to that so closely because I've seen so many people Look, we were just talking about yoga. Uh, you were talking about hot yoga. You know, Bikram is not somebody that I would recommend that people uh, uh, go learn uh, from at this point. Is That's why I call it hot yoga. <laughs> so, you know, the founder of hot yoga uh, in America, anyways, uh, uh, Bikram, who um, has uh, now court cases and, and yeah. arrests for uh, abuse of all sorts. And uh, and, and that happens regularly within the yoga community. It seems that, you know, when I'm going to include myself here, when we end up in these positions of spiritual authority, it is so easy to get lost in it and to say, that's right. You know, everybody is looking at me with such reverence. That's because I deserve that. Yeah. I'm very, very special. And that just happens so regularly, and it's it's dangerous to I think the people in those positions, and it's certainly dangerous to the people, <clears throat> excuse me, that they are um, teaching and and mentoring. Oh, I see your dog. That was lovely. <laughs> uh, so um, so there, you know, what's the solution? How do you have a spiritual teacher, but make sure that you don't get drawn into these dangerous places? Well. It's your own authority. It's your experience. What is your experience? How is it feeling? Uh, how does it feel in your body? Um, do you feel more free? Do you feel more independent? Does this spiritual teacher, are they trying to help you stand on your own two feet? Or are they uh, encouraging you to rely on them in a way that you feel you know, I'm really only myself when I'm with this teacher. I can only be myself when I'm with them. That's something to, to be warned on. It, I, I just love this show so much and what I do because I, you know, when I'm really connected and in good space, I get a lot of information, usually the day, the morning of when I'm going to record. And this morning, and I've had two recordings today, and they're always on the same topic. It's, it's like magic, right? But this morning, my, the message that came to me is that you are your own guru. And uh, what I mean by that is, yes, we have different teachers. Um, when there's a new area we want to open up and focus and we, with the like compassionate love and the teacher can share us what they've learned and, and guide us and be supportive. Um, but the one thing that I always, I was thinking as well, if a teacher comes, and they always tell you never to leave or you can't go in another direction or they block you off and they make a list. I've had teachers where they wanted you to sign a contract saying you won't do 
um, you know, you won't watch this, you won't talk, you won't talk to groups of that kind of people and things like that. And inside, I just, my, I would just tense up and be like, this doesn't feel right, you know. Um, so that's sort of, I, I like this topic because when people are seeking out and they're suffering, they start to seek out because they want to have a fulfilled life. They can fall down a rabbit hole, especially if they're in a dark space or they're suffering down a way that they will just lose all of their energy in the, in the time when they really need that true compassionate, you know, person to guide them in the right way. They can get lost very quickly. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, I like the way that you put it. The, the you know, the, the external guru or teacher is only an imperfect reflection of the internal guru and teacher and so right we see in that person something in us is what has uh, lit the spark that creates that attraction and and so knowing that this is something that is within us to be cultivated um, and that we we turn and try and um, raise up our own inner guru i think is a very a very nice way of, uh, of thinking about it and I like that you, you, you say even atheists are welcome and things like that, because a lot of people don't in the, in this space, when I talk to people, don't include that. They're like, oh, you know, and it's to me is, uh, is, you know, I have family members that are atheists and they're good people, you know, and they have light inside of them. And I'm not going to spend my time and energy judging or criticizing their choice as long as they they're good people and they don't do bad things to other people you know why and that's this such a strong uh, negative dialogue between everybody you have to be down my way and my and follow down my path and i think that it only is hurting the community of, as a whole when especially when you're supposed to be full of god and light you know and then you're just judging you're putting this heavy judgment on other people is, is that yeah and we don't usually even know what it is we're judging you know I, when i was a congregational rabbi and sometimes people would think about joining a synagogue and th th that they didn't believe in god and they would talk to me and say you know is this going to be a problem that i don't believe in god and uh, and so we would have conversations and and often the question that i would ask was tell me about the god you don't believe in oh. and that was a very similar question to Oh, you believe in God? Tell me about the God you believe in. And, and what I would learn from that is, you know, sometimes I was much closer in my own approach and uh, I would say sympathies to the people that were talking about the God they didn't believe in. I was like, yeah, me neither, you know, uh, as opposed to the people that were talking about the God they did believe in. I was like, really? That's, well, all right. You know, uh, <laughs> and, and I think I said this in the book, what I came to recognize as uh, the rabbi of a congregation is what people believe is less important than I had originally thought. You know, people believe all kinds of things. I believe all kinds of things. Some of those beliefs are helpful. Sometimes they're not helpful. The same belief in one place is helpful and in one place isn't helpful. And for me, the spiritual journey has been about letting go of, uh, of not necessarily beliefs. I don't want to say I don't believe anything. I believe lots of things, but not holding those beliefs in a, in a tight way because that, that tight clamp 
on belief for me would get me stuck. And it was when I could hold the beliefs more loosely that suddenly, you know, the, the world opened up in, uh, in more beautiful ways. I absolutely agree. The word stuck is coming out a lot today for me. Um, and not just for me personally, but that I'm feeling, you know, people are really in this space of stuckness. And when you have that, say that finite line, I can't do this, but I'm miserable. <laughs> like I can't leave a marriage because, but I'm miserable. I can't, yeah. I can't go for the job I really want, but I'm miserable. You know what I mean? But those really hold you, that's that stuck energy and not saying you can't find a solution to do both or make it work, but what would you say? Would you say that there's some help that people in your book for people that are experiencing that? I like to think so. You know, that'll be up to their, somebody that reads it that, that yeah. can discover, but certainly I like to think so. I, as I said, I shared things that uh, I think were helpful to me along the way and and recognizing that my beliefs were often holding me back rather than uh, allowing me to move forward was one of those things. And so I talk in the book about really being inquisitive about your beliefs. Uh, again, it's not in order to drop them all, but to investigate them. What are How are these beliefs serving me? How might they not be serving me? Uh, what What is the effect of having these beliefs on my life? What might it be if I let go of this belief or held it in a different way? What What do I think might happen? That, those kinds of questions and, and inquiries, uh, for me, were able to kind of let let things go just a little bit, be a little a little more free and open. Yeah, um, yeah. This seems like a very kind practical guide there's all kinds of um I, I like some of the hebrew words that you mention in it and um you know there's so there's a little bit of the lessons of it of um hebrew and it's grounded in um some of those traditions um and when you talk about the um i want to go back to the beginning of the title so you said a beginner's guide to advanced spirituality so again, so someone who has really had really no experience in this can grab this book, but they could quickly get to the advanced because what what would you say is the so I, I like to think so. And again, it's it, it's really about how I understand and I think I explain these uh, these words in, in the book, you know, for, for me, I will say as somebody, again, who was a rabbi for many, many years working in a congregation, but for a long time, I really thought of spirituality as these moments, you know, it was um, in prayer, in meditation, uh, in, in learning, um, where it could be in nature, but it was, or, you know, you go to a, a wonderful concert or, or listen to a piece of music and you have these, these beautiful moments. And so there was a, a kind of a chasing of states, uh, right? A spiritual state, a spiritual experience. And those experiences are wonderful and they're great. And I recommend, yeah, you know, 
into deep meditation, everybody, is, you know, have those communal singing experiences, climb the mountain and look out at the top. They're wonderful. But for me, that was beginner spirituality. That what I came to understand is that spirituality wasn't about achieving a state. It was about a really a different understanding of what it is to be a human being. So I had this idea that, you know, I was this human being that basically existed within this body and, uh, and I, you know, brought this body from place to place and I as a human interacted with other things and people and, uh, and, and what I came to, uh, to recognize was that um, I am, I would say, being, being lived by life. Uh, and, and so that experience of being alive, that experience of being human, not I have a life that I'm living and damn it, I'm going to make it a good one. I'm going to try and have these great states and these great experiences. And, uh, and for me, it came out in these very nice, socially benign ways. You know, I'm going to try and have a positive influence and, uh, and, and leave a lovely legacy. And, but all of those things were odd. I'm going to do these things because I, in my life, want to live my life this way. And if I do, I'm happy. And if I don't, I'm unhappy. Again, state, happiness, unhappiness. And then coming to recognize that that, that was not who I was at a deeper level. Uh, that, that those experiences certainly happen. It's not that they don't occur. Uh, it's not that the states don't exist but the states don't define me that's not who i am and i am again the language i used before i am i am awareness taking the the form of of human um, and that makes me the same as and different from you um, and it makes me the same as and different from the birds and the trees and um, but that we are all that uh, that awareness that is taking different shape. Uh, and so here's the shape that it's showing up as in me right now while I get to talk with you. Uh, and how is it going to show up when I am no longer talking with you? I don't know. Uh, but that's going to be the fun and excitement of, of, uh, of being alive in this way. I like that because what, what I'm getting in re reverberating back is that people start to chase the states right it's like um maybe it's a part of that that mind telling us okay you learn this you know now you have to learn that and then you have to oh you didn't have an experience and that person did why didn't you and we start to even judge our spirituality um and then also what i was getting in this is people seeking what they would call like an enlightenment or an awakening and in reality, I was just getting that we're born awakened. We're born enlightened. And so it's almost the other way around. It's like instead of chasing enlightenment, we already were born that way. It's letting go of the programming and the negative stuff that has been put upon us just because we're a modern society, you know, um, and trying to um, understand our place in the world within a modern society where everything in, in back when it was spiritual, we're, we're, 
not where we're, you know, we have just a few pieces of clothing. We were a tribe. It was different. It was a spiritual experience because that's all we had. But now that we're separate, that's why this is so important nowadays to help people get back and see that they are just this light being already. And that the modernness of what we have, you know, take the good things with it. But, you know, we're going to have to really seek those um, spiritual experiences, uh, tribal, you know, uh, you know, let the modern stuff fall away, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And again, speaking personally for me, you know, what, what I imagined I might get to as I was a strong spiritual seeker and, uh, and again, chasing these, uh, these experiences and these states and trying to, as I understood it, grow spiritually what I thought I was going to get to and what I found were really different because, you know, the one who is sort of chasing is the one that kind of falls away and is less important once you arrive. So all that chasing energy, you sort of look at that and go, oh, that was silly. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> that, that version of, of Dan that did all that, Right. He was confused. He, he was he was quite a silly fellow. Uh, and and so there's a, um, a kind of humor about it. And as you said, it, nothing has changed. I'm still who I was before. I just realized, oh, I had been fooling myself this whole time. Uh, so for me, one of the exercises that I do just personally, if I am feeling as I, you know, it certainly happens. I'm like everybody else. Sometimes I'm down. Sometimes I don't feel good. Sometimes I get stuck in my head. You know, those things still happen to me. But when they do, I'm able to say to myself, peace is here. I'm just not feeling it. Wholeness is here. All of these things are already here, but I'm blocking myself from experiencing them. Let me take a breath and see if I can feel their presence because I know that they are already present. I don't have to do something to bring them about. They're already here. What I need to do is stop doing all the other things that I'm doing so that I am not recognizing it. Well, maybe this would be a good spot to go into um, the a little bit of meditation that, um, or not a meditation, you would just, yeah, so we had talked just briefly before uh, we, we started uh, the, the public conversation, and I had said uh, that, yes, there was uh, something that I, I liked to teach, and the reason I like to teach it is that it is really about uh, something that you can bring into life, you, you know, in the same way you don't need to sit on a meditation cushion and or, you know, go to a meditation retreat or put yourself away. I'm interested in the way that spirituality can really be integrated into everyday conversation. You know, you're at the cash register waiting in line at the grocery store and you're getting a little impatient. Uh, or I'm having a conversation, this would happen to me as a congregational rabbi, you know, you, you had a day where first you met with the family of the, uh, the was having the bar mitzvah ceremony, but it was a divorced family. And so, you know, you did that. And then you 
got a call from somebody that said, you know, your negotiations for your next contract have been, uh, your, your proposal has been rejected, so we need to meet again and uh, to determine whether we can, you know, have that relationship. And then somebody is coming into your office and they want to talk to you about maybe officiating at their wedding. So at that moment, I'm tired, I'm frazzled, and this couple is talking to me about their wedding. What an opportunity for me, and I want to be present to them, not in this frazzled way. I want to be present to them in a, a much more um, healthy way. So I would often do this exercise, and so people can do it along with me. If you're driving a car, it might be you know almost okay, but but I'd be a little bit careful if you're driving a car. Otherwise, you can do this. So it just starts by rubbing your hands together, just to feel a little bit of warmth in your hands and then to draw your hands closer and further apart so that you are able to feel the energy in your hands. You can feel that your hands actually go beyond just the physical part of the hand, but they have energy within them. And now I'm going to put my hands palms down just on, on my thighs as I sit here, and I'm still feeling the energy of my hands. Now at the same time, I'm going to bring the sense of feeling energy to my feet because just as there is an energy in your hands, there is also an energy in your feet. So there now I can feel the energy in my feet, but I also am still feeling and still want to feel the energy in my hands. So I can feel my hands and I can feel my feet. Feel my hands and feel my feet. And now the last part is adding a third focus. So while still being aware of the energy in your hands and your feet, choose something to look at. So for me, I, I like this because you can do it with eyes open. In the example I was just describing, you could look at the person who's sitting across from you not in a weird, intense uh, way, but in a kind of a soft focus. And you can use that third point of focus. So you can choose something in your environment, something against the wall, uh, something that's easy to look at. And you can then feel the energy in your hands and the energy in your feet and focus on that other spot that your eyes can take in. So as I focus on, for me, it's I'm looking at uh, a blue light around my, uh, my camera so that I can maintain eye contact with uh, people on YouTube. But as I do that, I can feel my hands and feet and I feel things start to slow down and I feel my mind start to quiet. My mind gets quiet, and now I'm able to bring a different kind of energy, a different kind of focus, a quiet, calm mental energy instead of a frazzled mental energy, a heart-opened energy rather than, I would say, being unaware of my heart-opening by being in touch with the body, I find that I am able to, at the same time, relate to the world around me 
in a healthier way. So you can practice this when you are doing anything, when you are with somebody, when you're talking to your significant other or a friend or a child, and you feel yourself getting just a little bit oh, wound up. You can take a moment, feel the energy in your hands, feel the energy in your feet, and come back to the conversation while focusing on that person, but also maintaining some of your focus within. I really like that. I, I focus a lot of energy in my meditations or guidance with um, the feet in the hands because we have so much energy. Um, it, that's how I, I like to also pull up energy from the earth. So I really appreciate that. Um, this is Where Are You? The book by uh, Dan, um, Aaron Krantz. And um, we appreciate your time today, Rabbi, and giving us your um, time and energy. And congratulations on the book. And it's a wonderful read. And I'll link everything in the bio to get a hold of Dan if you have any questions or where to get the book. And uh, would you like to leave us with anything else today? No, I think that's a nice place for us to end. It's really been a pleasure speaking with you. I thank you for making the time. Oh, thank you. Thanks, everybody. This has been The Liberated Healer, Gina Cavalier. Please like, share, and subscribe. It really does help us continue to do this work. And um, we're sending you all a big hug and um, whatever energy that you need to get through what you're going through or just some smiles or hugs. So thank you very much, everybody. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us online at theliberatedhealer.com, on Instagram at Liberated Healer Podcast, or on Facebook at The Liberated Healer. Give us a follow, subscribe, send us a message if you so feel, and thank you for your support.